Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be a great episode with Joe Slayton, and Joe owns Motherload Turkey Calls, and I've been on hunts with Joe, and he's a great guy, has an unbelievable amount of knowledge about turkey hunting, uh, and this is a, a portion of the Facebook Live uh, excerpt that he did on Turkey Callers of America. And I encourage you, if you're a turkey hunter, go on Facebook and type in Turkey Callers of America and join that group. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, Grand National Champions, a bunch of the up-and-comers, a bunch of the old-timers uh, on that Facebook group. Uh, and uh, they were uh, kind enough to let me put the audio of some of the greatest turkey hunters uh, in, in the country, uh, on here on the podcast. So I want to thank them for that. Uh, guys, if you're interested in a Gould's turkey hunt in Sonora, Mexico, uh, you can go on our website, Gould's, that's G-O-U-L-D-S, Gould'sTurkeyHunt.com, or you can go on Colburn, C-O-L-B-U-R-N, Colburn and ScottOutfitters.com, uh, we have a few uh, spots left for 2017, and we are already booking for 2018. Uh, we typically run our hunts down there the last week of April and the first couple of weeks of May. Uh, so uh, you can also email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com if you have any questions about the podcast, any questions about hunting or specifically about Gould's turkey hunting, I'd be happy to answer that. Guys, thanks for your support. Let's get right to this episode with Joe Slayton. Guys, I wanted to tell you about the Kuyu World Tour where you can get to see the complete Kuyu product line and you can try everything on all sizes and place orders you can talk with product consultants that can answer any questions that you might have. They're going to be making a big tour across the United States. They're going to be starting May 20th, 2017 in Dixon, California at the Kuyu World Headquarters at their garage sale. They're going to be going through Oregon, Washington, Montana, Idaho, Colorado, Nebraska, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Utah, back through Nevada, Arizona, and then finishing California, both in San Diego, Los Angeles, and then Reno, Nevada in November. You can go to kuyu.com forward slash world tour and find out where a city is nearby you. And it's going to be an awesome experience. They're going to have uh, special guests, expert clinics, special deals and discounts. Uh, the the uh, 2017 Kuyu Film Fest winners uh, we'll be there at some of the uh, some of the different stops, and make sure to use the hashtag Kuyu World Tour uh, for your photos on Instagram. Any tips on owl hooting from CJ? Uh, tips: Owl hooting. Uh, this is one of my uh, uh, black limba owl hooters that I'm making right now. Um, start off nice and slow. Usually. Uh, you know, the owls aren't too loud and aggressive when they first start, but so usually the last what gets that the, the gobbler to gobble, so but I like to start slow.
Pinky's in the house, Sean Hunkins, my California buddy. How much do I charge for the Owl Hooter, Steve Howell? They're $45 to your door. I build them one at a time. How do you chase uh, CJ Cross? How do you make the last call so loud? Uh, just put a little more pressure behind it. Get loud. How you doing, Keith Swope? Another California buddy. Philip Bryant, uh, give me some good tips on goblin on a mouth call. I'll be in my first Grand Nationals. Uh, don't get nervous, <laughs> which is not easy. You're going to get nervous when you get up there. Um, what I, the way I gobble with a mouth call is I'm doing ticka ticka ticka, um, and I'm doing it loud, and I'm blowing air across the reed the whole time. So a lot of a lot of guys gobbling now try to go so fast that you don't get the actual roll from gobble to gobble. So. Ticka, ticka, ticka. Normally in a hunting situation, if I'm going to gobble, I use this. I have one of these with me in my vest. And, uh, and it gets louder, and I can make a directional distance with it. So that's when it usually... Um, I, I get it to work that way because of this. Otherwise, it's kind of it's not as loud and focused in a certain direction. Um, then I use this in competition. My buddy Pat Strouser call us, calls us the cone suckers. Um, but a difference. Good luck in the, at the Grand Nationals. I'll see you there. Perry Skiffington, how's the weather? It's pouring down rain, Perry. It's been raining for months. I think we've had the most, we've had two dry days, and then it's just started. It's supposed to, the whole week, it's supposed to rain again. John Lockwood, does locators call work better on one species of turkeys better than others? Um, I have better luck with locator calls uh, when I'm down south or back east, uh, hunting easterns actually. Um, our turkeys here in California, we, we have a lot of Rios and hybrids. And the, uh, the hybrids and the Rios are gobbling constantly. Uh, they like to gobble, they like to hear themselves gobble, and um, you don't have to entice them to gobble at all. Uh, but just because they gobble to you doesn't mean that they're interested in coming to you. Um, where an Eastern, if you get an Eastern to gobble to you, um, a lot of times he's interested. But uh, a few years ago we hunted in Missouri, and um, we couldn't get, I couldn't get a bird to gobble for anything. Crow calls, owl calls, nothing. And I ended up gobbling at him right Right after dark, birds should have been in the tree for sure, and uh, couldn't get anything. And finally, I gobbled at them. We got one turkey to gobble, and so we had a place to start in the morning. We we get there in the next morning, and there were seven different birds gobbling. So 
just because we got to get one turkey to gobble at us doesn't mean he was the only one there because the next morning there were seven. So, Turn the volume down on your computer. Yeah, I tried to do that, Scott. I heard an echo. So, Douglas J., when did you kill your first turkey? I started turkey hunting in 1983 and uh, called our first turkeys in. Uh, very first turkeys we called, uh, very first turkey I called in was in 1984 with a box call and didn't know anything, had no idea how to hunt or turkeys or what to do. And I got in some brush so thick I couldn't have moved because I actually did call a turkey in and my cousin was telling me to shoot and I couldn't even see it because I was in such thick cover. Um, but in 1985, um, 1984, I figured out how to use a mouth call. I've been trying to use a mouth call for about three or four months. I couldn't make any sound out of it. Um, and the reason was is because we didn't, I didn't have anybody around where I lived that, that turkey hunted. Um, nobody turkey I, There was one guy that in the area where I lived that turkey hunted, and he fall turkey hunted. He didn't even spring turkey hunt. So everything I, I did was pretty much learn on my own, and I had nobody teach me how to do anything. And so I bought a mouth call and tried to get it to work. I could not get it to work. And the reason I couldn't get it to work is because you can't make any noise when the call is this way. And I tried for months to get the, the call to work. And in 1984, we were hunting. I had a boss call. I was using a boss call because I couldn't make any sounds out of the, the mouth call. And I saw a guy, another hunter out in the woods. So I went right up to him and started talking to him. Well, while we were talking, he goes to pull his mouth call out of his mouth. And it was out this way, the, the proper way. And I like, I don't even, I didn't even hear anything the rest of the, uh, Conversation. I wanted to just go back to my truck because that's where my mouth call was because I couldn't make any sound out of it. As soon as I got back to my truck, I put the mouth call in and instantly started making sound and started yelping on it and everything. Um, and the rest, I practiced the rest of the year. The 1985, I actually killed, called the first turkeys in. We killed it. Um, and from then on, I've been killing turkeys ever since. Do you hunt public land? Uh, Jason Walker, do you hunt public land much? And if so... Um, how do you approach calling? Um, usually I do hunt public land. There's a few places in California that's public. Um, and I've been hunting a couple of places. One of the places is called Spenceville Wildlife Area in California. And um, I've been hunting it for 20 plus years, 25 years. And usually, you know, a turkey's going to be a turkey whether he doesn't know he's on public land and he doesn't know he's on private land. If he's pressured, he's just going to be leery. And so you just got to start off knowing that and, and understanding tur the turkey and, you know, the biology and what's going on during the spring and what's happening. And so um, once you can get, Pat, once you can start figuring out what the turkey is doing during that type of the breeding season or whatever, start off slow and you can always get louder. Um, and that's, that's the way I usually approach uh, public land hunting. And I've also hunted public land in Alabama and Mississippi and some other states that I've hunted too. So, When should you be quiet? Scott Sarkan. Um, normally if I get a bird answer me, I'm going to keep him gobbling usually. Um, but once he starts moving and he's coming towards me, I'm done. I say that, but usually it don't happen that, that way all the time. But if he's coming, I don't want to mess up anything um, if he's on his way. So... When he's on his way, you, and especially if he gets in within seeing distance of you or close enough to where you could be able to see him at any point in time, 
I usually shut up and, and let him come in the rest of the way. When did I start call building? Chris Walls. Hey, doing, Chris? Uh, what was the first call you built? I started building my own mouth calls in, I think, 2004, 2005. I bought a jig from uh, Arnie Jonathan in New York and uh, started um, making my own mouth calls in. And, and from then, my, my calling started progressing and started getting a lot better. When you can make your own mouth calls, stretch them the way you want them, cut them the way you want, uh, your calling um, will, will get better, absolutely get better. What's Mickey Gray? What's my favorite cut on a mouth call? Uh, right now, it's a combo cut. Um, the first call that I actually designed for my business, that what I what I uh, started making mouth calls was um, kind of a modified V cut. Um, and it's a two recall. It's a real soft call, um, yelping, clucking, purring type call. Uh, but now I'm using mostly a combo cut, reverse combo. My airflow is mostly out the left side, so I cut that left side wing out, and so that's what I use now. Scott Hager, do you still have amazing numbers of Rios? Yes, we do. Um, I just heard the other day, uh, some of you might have seen some of my videos I've posted uh, in the past, and um, we, when I first started uh, videoing this one group of turkeys, um, the tree has two bases that come out, but it's so huge there was anywhere between 200 and 300 turkeys roosting in this tree that has two bases. And at daylight, you couldn't see a turkey. I mean, you couldn't even tell there was turkeys in it. That's how big this tree was. The turkey crap underneath that tree was about 10 inches to a foot deep. And they roosted there every day. Um, and I've slowly been watching this, this flock, and I, I videoed from years, uh, the old guy that used to live there eventually passed away. He was letting me have, uh, have access to it and video and everything. And the people that bought it, uh, somebody told me the other day that they had actually um, killed off the turkeys that poisoned them or something. I don't know if that was true or not, but I don't see many turkeys there anymore. So, Kevin Kirkpatrick, does Jimmy like hunting public land or posted land the best? Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Salton, my buddy Jimmy. <laughs> oh, Scott Ellis, where is Jimmy Salton? Uh, Jimmy's in the back room right now. He's practicing his mouth calling. <laughs> he's been working on that. He's already he's already perfected the uh, the pot call and the box call of the owl hooting, but he's practicing on his mouth calling. Steve Bryan, is Jimmy still going to make some, <laughs> some instructional DVDs? He might. He might just do that. Uh, Mickey Gray, let's hear some yelping. What do you want to hear yelping on, Mickey? This is, uh, I'll use mouth call first. This is my uh, uh, three read uh, reverse combo cut. Play on your trumpets. Uh, I want to hear a key key on a trumpet. Okay. Uh, this is one of my trumpets that I build. Uh, 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 
well. I haven't played on that in a while. Cut on a box call. Chase Crow. There's uh, a box call. This is a friend of mine, Mr. Scott Witter, made this for me. Uh, cut on a box call. Dylan Beard and I like trophies in the background. Thanks, Dylan. Corey Welch, are you coming to Nashville? So want to shake your hand. Yes, Corey, I will be in Nashville. Uh, this is going to be my last year calling at Nashville. I'm gonna give it up. I'm getting too old. Uh, Bruce Sale, do some Jake Yelps on friction, man. I wasn't prepared to do Jake Yelps on friction. Let's see what we can go up, come across here. See you, Matt. Sean Hunkins, I've known you a while and seen your calling evolve. What do you think was the biggest impact of that? The biggest impact of my calling is Sean Hunkins. Uh, because uh, back California pretty much didn't have any turkey calling contests from 2000 and Oh, 1995 to about 2004. Uh, there might have been one in there somewhere. But uh, 2005, I actually started competing again. Um, and Sean Humpkins was competing. And we were pretty close at that time. I beat him once. He beat me once. And then about, oh gosh, probably 2006 or seven, Sean Humpkins' sound went from good to awesome. And I had to keep up. And so... I've had to, I've had to learn different styles. I probably changed my Yelp in the last two days fifty-seven times or something like that. I don't know. I can't keep, can't keep track anymore. But it's always just trying to get better. That's all I always want to do is try to get better and sound like a turkey. Darren Dye, Joe, you've hunted a bunch of states. Uh, what do you feel impacts the difficulty of a hunt more, the terrain or the birds themselves? Uh, Darren, good question. I would say the terrain. Uh, like I said earlier, a turkey is going to be a turkey no matter where he lives. He doesn't know he lives in Florida swamps. He doesn't know he lives in the mountains in Montana. He's just being a turkey and he's just trying to survive. And And the terrain is what makes the difference um, and what's hard on for us to hunt the turkeys, uh, whether you're in South Carolina in a, in a swamp or, um, you know, Mississippi or Florida or wherever, or, you know, um, if you're hunting a Colorado mountaintop at 9,000 feet. Um, so I think the terrain is the biggest difference there. Thank Mike. Thanks, Mike Breslin. Jared Adams, when owl hooting in the morning, if you do not get a response on the first few tries, how long do you wait in between before hooting again? I like to get the other owls going 
uh, as much as I can. If they can start going and I would join in a little bit, I've actually called some owls into me uh, before. If you're hoot very much, uh, that's going to happen. Um, but just try to be as normal as possible. If I can get a turkey to gobble without doing anything, without, you know, if the uh, normal surrounding, the owls are hooting and their turkeys are gobbling, or during the day if a crow's uh, crowing and, and uh, that's getting a turkey to gobble, I won't do anything unless I want to move and then I want to get the turkey to gobble. Um, a, a tip, if you're actually set up and you're calling a turkey and a turkey's hung up out there for a while and you you decide it's time to move, I want to move, one of the things you want to do is get the turkey to gobble to know where he's at because it's happened to me before. I'm sure it's happened to many of the other guys out there. Um, you know, after you've called and he hasn't gobbled for 15 or 20 minutes and you decide you want to get up and go and you pick everything up or whatever, you get up to move and there he is 50 yards away coming at you and just coming in silent and you spook him and he runs off. So what I try to do before I move, I want to make that turkey gobble. Whatever I, whatever I can make him gobble with, I want to make him gobble so I know where he's at and then I want to get up and move on him. Sometimes you might spook other turkeys that are coming in, but the turkey that you're calling to, if you get him to gobble before you move, a lot of times you're going to be safer when you get up to move. So, Yes, Sean Hunkins, listening to real turkeys. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I've been raising turkeys since uh, the first turkeys I ever raised was in 1993. So other than about two or three years, um, I've been raising turkeys for 20 plus years. Um, and so there's nothing like listening to live birds. Um, when you're out, uh, a lot of times guys uh, that are hunting from one year to the next or maybe don't even fall hunt, they won't even hear a turkey after the end of the turkey season to the beginning of the next season when you go to scout and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think being able to hear and listen to turkeys continuously uh, as, as much as you can because you lose you lose the sound you lose uh, the different tones that you can hear and it, YouTube is great and there's a lot of YouTube videos on there but you can ask any of these guys that video there's some sounds that the video just can't and the audio just can't capture it's just not I mean I've had I've had my gobbler within inches of my face with him spitting and drumming and there's some sounds there that you, you I've never heard before in a video. Um, same thing with yelping. I had a, a a hen. She just passed away. She just she got killed by a raccoon. That's why I'm deathly killing raccoons as much as I can. But anyway, um, she perfect yelp. I mean, she had the high rasp. She was just great. And I posted a lot of different sound files of her yelping. And I've had her within inches of my face. Um, in my pen and just listen to her sound what she does and you you can't get that anywhere else and a lot of times there's a, you know people out there if you raise turkeys people like uh, Jamie Linder and, and Joe and Susie Conyers and several other people that actually have wild birds and they hear them every day uh, they're sounds that you just can't pick up unless you're hearing actual birds and you're close so Scott Sarkan, to be a good turkey caller, does it mean you must live alone? Um, almost, Scott. <laughs> um, actually, my wife isn't here right now because she knows I'm going to be calling and it drives her crazy. So um, she went to her mom's and spending some time with her tonight. So 
Anthony Verga, you're the man, Joe. Thank you, Anthony. I will see you. Jim Pollard, how you doing, Jim? Jim was the man. I actually, uh, when I call, I called in the Grass National Grand Nationals in like ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, and um, Jim was the man. He was winning everything. I think the Nationals at that time were in like Louisville, Kentucky, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Memphis, Tennessee. Shoot, I was a guy from California. We didn't, I mean, we, we didn't compete. Uh, even back then, though, we had, we'd had we have three or four turkey calling contests back then, but we didn't have competition like those guys. We can never compete against uh, the, you know, Walter Parrots and Jim Pollards and Paul Butskys and uh, Chris Kirby and uh, all those guys. They're just awesome. Any other questions? Did I miss any questions? If I missed a question, somebody repost it. Because I can't see it. In uh, Morgan Gavea, in your best description, what's the strangest sound you've heard from a wild turkey make while hunting? Um, some of the, the whines um, and, and some of the alert calls uh, overhead, like um, owls, hawks, eagles, those overhead predators like that, um, turkeys can make some weird sounds. That you'll watch them, they'll turn their head sideways, and they'll look up in the sky. Um, they do it a lot of times, the planes flying over and that kind of stuff too, but uh, they can make some weird sounds uh, when that's happening. Kevin Curran, you gonna win the Goblin this year? I don't know, Kevin. <laughs> I'll be I'll be trying. There's a lot of good gobblers out there right now, though. Uh, Edward McKellar, how do you condition your strikers? Uh, my strikers, I usually just use a um, Scotch Brite, and I just twist the end of it to clean it off. I just want it clean. That's all. Jim Martin, hey Joe, it was great meeting you last year. Grand National, how you doing, Jim? I won't be able to compete against you in the Goblin competition because of my sickness, so I hope you go out with gold. By the way, I've always loved your purse. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Ronnie Grow, uh, in your opinion, what's the hardest species you've ever hunted? I get asked this question a lot, just like everybody asks this question, what's the hardest turkey to hunt? And my response to that is, the hardest turkey to hunt is the, is the turkey that's hunted the hardest. Uh, birds that are pressured hard uh, are going to be the hardest turkeys to hunt. And uh, most of the time that's going to be down south because there's more turkey hunters down south. Um, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, you know, all South Carolina, all those places uh, usually are going to have the hardest turkeys to hunt because they're hunted the hardest. Um, but I'll guarantee you I've been into some places, even in California, that we don't have the hunters as far as good turkey hunters that some of the other states do, but we have a lot of people that are going out there and spooking turkeys. And, and you know, just uh, when turkeys get spooked and they get leery, they're going to be hard to hunt. And um, I, will, I will put some of these turkeys anywhere that are hunted hard up against some of those places that, that think they have the hardest turkeys to hunt. So... Uh, Bobby Woods, are you going to have some of your owl hooters with you in Nashville? Yes, I will, Bobby. I'll have a few uh, hanging around me somewhere. I'll have them probably inside my bag. 
Todd Perkins, uh, looking forward to meeting you, to finally getting to meet you. I uh, hope to meet you too, Todd. Joe Drake, how you doing, Joe? Good job the other day. Uh, Mark Webb, is it possible to be able to gobble using a mouth call? That's actually what I gobble on. I mean, I can gobble without a mouth call. Actually, when I first started to gobble, I, uh, I started to teach myself how to gobble. I did it natural voice. Um, and I did it just doing um, what I do is say to gobble. There's some guys that can gobble sucking in, and I can't do that. Uh, I've tried, and it makes me choke. Um, but I do it by saying to gobble, and I just say it really fast, and I go to gobble, 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 to gobble. And as I get faster, I get my, my voice, uh, I get a little bit higher pitch with my voice. So I'll go, let me do this first. I'll go to gobble, 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 to
they're going to do that the most. You know, they're going to try to do that uh, in those 90-day period. If you only had 90 days to do that, then that'd be the only thing on your mind. So, um, so I want to figure out what's going on. If I think he's hung up or is gobbling in a certain area and he's not leaving, and I can hear a hen every once in a while, then he's probably got hens with him, and I want to figure out what you know what I want to do as far as that goes. Um, you know, you, you say you want to call to the hen. What that means to me is, when I say that, is I want to listen to the hen. I want to hear the gobble. I mean, I want to hear the gobble, but I don't want to focus on the gobble. I want to hear the hen. And whenever she says something, I'm going to say it right back. And I'm going to be a little more aggressive, and I'm going to be a little bit louder than her, and I want to get her fired up and get her going. And hopefully if we get in a conversation, then um, a lot of times that will bring her in, and when she comes in, her boyfriend's come with her, so... Lee Ambrose, give a shout out to my daughter, Gracie Lee. I think that's how you say it. Hi, Gracie Lee. Mark Webbs, thanks so much. Also, where should I get a gobble funnel? Be honest with you, this right here was actually a part of my elk bugle. Um, and what it is, is it's a wiffle ball bat. I cut the end off here and the big part of the bat this way. And I just cut it off there. And it's just a little cone type thing. Uh, but it's big enough. This, the reason I did that is this is big enough to put this in. So I can use them both. Uh, and this just makes a little more volume. But find, a, find an old wiffle ball bat and cut it off. That, that'll work. Kendall Keaton, in your opinion, what do you think the reason contest numbers are lower? I don't know, Kendall. Um, I mean, we've been fighting it forever here in California. Like I said, we went from like 95 to 2004 and didn't didn't have a contest. Um, and then from 2004 to now, we're lucky if we get one a, one a year. Me and Sean Hunkins have been pushing it as much as we can uh, between both of us. Um, just so one of us could get qualified. You know, he, he could get qualified to call back in nationals, and he's going to have a hard time. Um, qualifying just because, you know, the, the contests just aren't as popular anymore. I think a lot of it has to do with our turkey numbers. You don't have to really call very good or call a lot in California to kill a turkey. Um, I, from my house, I can drive 15 minutes to a half an hour, and I can see 200 turkeys from the road. Um, in California, our turkey numbers is just absolutely skyrocketed. Um, and we have a lot of open country. I know down south, and that where I've hunted before, uh, Mississippi, South Carolina, and, and uh, Alabama, and Florida, and all that. The terrain is different, so it's a lot of cover for the turkey. It's hard to see a turkey from the road there. From here in California, our 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 country is open. I mean, it's not as bad as Nebraska open, but it's open country. You can see turkeys, um, and you don't drive very far. If you've got a good place that has turkeys, you can, you know, a lot of the guys will they'll just drive the roads and shoot them, you know. So I think that that's a, one of the reasons why a lot of the guys in California don't don't call a lot or practice their calling, and, and that's kind of hurt the, the uh, contest numbers of people that, that call in contests. So... Uh, Dylan Gunter, how do I make my cutting sharper on a mouth call? Ugh. Um, it'd be hard. It's hard. I'd like to hear you. It'd be a whole lot easier to answer that question if I could hear you. Um, but cutting, just like anything on a mouth call, you're going to 
push sharp air across uh, the latex. Um, pop, 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 pop. Um, and it's not a drag. It's more of a kakak, So you want to force that air, it's all air pressure, it's all uh, stop and start the air uh, with your throat across the latex. What cut and how many reeds do you like to use to purr? Um, I, I, can, I usually can purr on any of the calls that I make. Um, what sounds the best to me is usually a two reed call, um, although I can purr on a, on a three reed call. It just depends on the cut. Um, we can just get that purr going across the, uh, the, the latex. Um, depends on how you purr too. Um, there's three different ways you can actually purr. Um, purred on a mouth call, and I put a video years ago on Facebook, uh, no, on YouTube, um, about purring three different ways. You purr with your lips, you purr with your tongue, you purr with your throat. Purring with your lips, and then you can purr with your tongue. And you purr with your throat. So, I think the throat uh, is a more realistic one. But there's three different ways. A lot of people can't get the throat thing. And they can't make their tongue, tongue flutter. And so they have to use a, their lips. It's usually louder. The lips uh, purr is usually louder. Uh, you can get a pretty good fight purr with the lips, but uh, but for the most part, the, the actual throat one to me sounds the best. Ricky Burks, my buddy Ricky. Good luck at Nationals. Thanks, Ricky. <clears throat> Any other questions out there? Watch, uh, Todd Perkins, watch your go-to cuts for certain calls. Uh, well, if I'm, to me, uh, my combo cut is what I can use. I can pretty much do everything I want with it, but it's more of a yelping and cutting call, three reads. Um, but if I'm going to strictly do maybe a key key or something, I'll go to a ghost cut. Um, and then if I want to do just soft calls, a lot of times... You're just going to set up and call soft in a certain spot uh, or whatever, uh, and you want to just do some soft calling, uh, a little two-read, um, usually um, V-cut, so I can just call soft, soft yelps, clucking and purring, that kind of stuff. So it just depends on what calls you want to make. That's, that's what I use. Brandon Tater. Hey, Joe, hope you've been well. Thank you, Tater. Hope, hope to see you in Nashville. Man, I, I wish somebody would have videoed Tater. I don't know if they did or not. Using his in the, uh, what was it called? The, the 
locator contest we had. He had this big old thing he blew in, and it was just like a, a train horn. Oh my God, it was the funniest thing I've ever heard. It was awesome. Uh, Lee Ambrose. When is the best time to use a fly-down cackle? First time fooling with a bird or after a few days of working him? Um, a lot of time, it just depends on what I, if it's the first time I've ever used, uh, I've ever hunted this turkey, um, and he's got hens, uh, a lot of times I'll fly down when the hens fly down. Um, I'll use a wing, I usually carry a wing with me, I scratch it in the leaves with it, but I'll hit it against my leg or the tree, I usually scratch against the tree. Um, I've actually called in turkeys, killed turkeys, uh, without calling, without doing a fly down cackle, just using a wing. Uh, we roost, a friend of mine uh, was hunting one year. We went and roosted the turkeys um, uh, the night before our hunt we were going to go. And we heard these turkeys fly up, and there was about, they were only about 80, 80 to 100 yards. But we, we figured, I think we counted 15 different birds that flew up. But we didn't know if they were gobblers or hen or whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. So the next morning, we get in set up, and I set a decoy, a couple decoys out from where the tree was where they roosted. They could, he could see them at daylight. And... Um, we sat there and sat there, and a bird, bird started gobbling about four or five hundred yards away, and two of them started going at each other. Man, I was just almost getting ready to, to actually move and go over there, thinking maybe there wasn't any gobblers with this one. Then, then I heard, so I knew there was a gobbler in that tree. And just about daylight, when I figured things were, you know, birds were getting ready to start to, to fly down, I took my wing. And I just didn't make a sound with my call, and I just, when I beat it against a tree, and I hit the ground with it. And before I could pick my head up and look at the decoy, the bird had flew out into the decoy and lit in the decoy. And I told my buddy to shoot him. That bird, he never gobbled one time in the tree, but I heard him spitting a drum. And he had 14 hens with him. There was only He was the only gobbler because there was 15 birds that flew up. And he had almost inch and a half spurs, inch and seven sixteenths, I think. He was a monster bird, and he never gobbled one time. <coughs> Brandon Tater Rich, how do you do your rolls when owling? I do it the same way as I purr. You do the, uh, it's like a gargle thing. Uh, you can do the flutter of the tongue, but I do the, uh, so you go. Truck air horn, yeah, Tater. That was awesome. I, I was absolutely cracking up, laughing so hard at that thing. And I'll guarantee you, I got a turkey to gobble too. That was awesome. Any other questions out there? Ricky Burks, what's your favorite locator call? Um, my favorite one is the one that works. Um, usually if I'm going to use a locator call uh, before daylight, it'll be an owl. Uh, during the hunt, normally it'll be a crow call during the day. I usually don't owl too much during the day. Um, a lot of times my locators, I'll listen to see what's, what's making a turkey gobble. If I, crows are making a turkey gobble, then I'll use a crow call. I need to make the turkey to gobble to move or whatever. Um, 
or a peat-leaded woodpecker. If you hear a peat-leaded woodpecker and he's going crazy and the turkey gobbles to it, then I'll use my peat-leaded woodpecker call uh, to get him to gobble. So whatever's working, that's that's what I'll use. I've heard people crow call, pitch black dark, 30 minutes before daylight. Although the turkeys gobbled to it, it was nowhere near realistic because turkeys aren't crowing it. 30 minutes before daylight. So, What's your go-to call? Jeff Hope, what is your go-to call working a bird? Uh, just depends on what's working. I mean, I've had uh, times where uh, I've always got a mouth call in, always, um, just because when I set up, when I finish a turkey, I'm usually got a mouth call in so I can putt and get his head up, or if I need to call a little bit, clucking a purr to get him to, to come a little bit further. Um, I, I can do that without movement, um, but um, I've had times where, and I, you guys that hunted out there for you know for years knows sometimes a turkey will go, only gobble to a slate call, and sometimes a turkey will only gobble to a box call, and sometimes a turkey will only gobble to a trumpet, and I've had all three of those scenarios. Sometimes a turkey will only gobble to a tube call, so it just depends um, on you know I carry a vest that's heavy enough to kill a small dog, uh, but I have whatever I need in there. I mean, I have a box call and a trumpet and a tube call and, and um, all my locator stuff and pot, two pot calls, a slate and a glass and strikers. And, you know, so I carry enough stuff to where I'm, I'm going to, if turkey's going to gobble with something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find what it is. A few years ago, it's been several years ago, a buddy of mine, um, we pulled up, these turkeys crossed the road in front of us, and we pulled up, and we were just going to mess with them with his preseason kind of scouting. And so he, uh, we pulled up there, and he gets his slate out, and he starts yelping on his slate, and the turkey never gobbled, the turkey never gobbled. So I pulled out a boss call, and I yelped on his boss call, and the turkey gobbled to it. And he pulls his slate back out, and he's yelping, 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 the turkey never gobbled, never gobbled. I pulled the boss call, and I yelped on the boss call. And the turkey gobbled like crazy. Every time I played the boss call, the turkey gobbled. Before this... I heard him tell some guys that boss calls were only for old men and kids that didn't know how to use mouth call or slate call. Um, and that day I actually changed his mind uh, because sometimes a turkey likes a box call. My box call sounds great in the woods. Um, and then sometimes a turkey want, you know, loves a glass call, a crystal call, or aluminum call. Um, you know, so it just depends on what the turkey wants to hear and, and make him gobble. I uh, had a friend of mine, Mr. Marvin Robbins, who passed away in 2009, big, big wingbone caller. And we hunted tur- turkeys, couldn't hear a turkey one all day until about 11, 12 o'clock. He yelped on a wingbone, his turkey gobbled as far as you could hear, you know, half a mile or more. And uh, every time he yelped, that turkey gobbled. And so he said, I'll stay here. <laughs> And keep him gobbling, and you guys go get in on him because there was a couple mountains in the you know before we could get to where the turkey was, and so sure enough, he kept him gobbling with the wingbone, and the turkey would only answer wingbone, nothing else, and he kept him gobbling with wingbone. We snuck in and got uh, got right on the turkey. So, so a tip for you new turkey hunters out there: once you learn how to turkey call. Um, Broaden your horizons and, and pull out a trumpet or a wingbone or a box call or a slate call or uh, a mouth call or tube call or, you know, try scratch boxes, you know. Broaden your horizons when it comes to turkey calls so you can uh, 
have different tools in your box when you need it. How do you hunt an Alabama field turkey? Um, I've actually hunted Alabama like six times, no, maybe seven times. I've killed several turkeys in Alabama. Um, field turkeys are hard no matter where they live. Uh, you know, a lot of times a turkey would get out in the middle of the field because so, he can see. You know, he can see any predator coming near him, coyotes or, you know, birds of prey or whatever, or hunters. And uh, a lot of times he'll just sit out there. A lot of times what I'll do is watch where the turkey goes once he leaves the field. Um, and that's the area that I want to be hunting next time I see that turkey out in the field. I'm going to go over to where he exited the field uh, and set up. So that's that's that'd be my best guess. So watch the field, watch the turkey, see where he goes, see what he does. Um, usually, if I'm hunting a turkey and I can see the turkey, I have a good chance to kill the turkey because uh, I'll look, watch his body posture, I'll watch uh, how he reacts to different things. If I'm calling to him, I'll see how he reacts to each call that I'm making, and that'll help me end up killing the turkey. So, hope that answered your question. Kevin Curran, I'm fixing to sign off, but I'll holler at you in Nashville next week. If not, I'll see you on Old Gobbler under Tennessee Beer Buster. All right. Good to see you, Kevin. Brandon Tater Rich, favorite state to hunt. Oh, my gosh. Whatever state I'm in, Tater. Um... But I tell you, I've had some phenomenal hunt. Missouri is absolutely awesome. Um, my biggest turkeys I've ever killed came from Missouri, uh, from the same area of Missouri. Heaviest turkey I ever killed was in Missouri, 28.2 pounds on a digital fish scale. And uh, the last year I went to Missouri was five or six years ago. Uh, longest spurred turkey I ever killed, inch and three quarters, was from that same area of Missouri. So I love Missouri. The Missouri Easterns gobble like crazy. I also love Alabama, Mississippi. I love the South. Hardwood bottoms in the South, you just can't beat. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Very first turkey hunt I went on out of state. Actually, it wasn't the first turkey hunt on, but the first time I hunted Alabama um, out of state. Um, met up with some people down there. A friend of mine knew, uh, Mr. Dave Ewing. I don't know if Dave's on here or not. But anyway, he, uh, we, we showed up in the evening before the hunt. We didn't have a chance to roost, uh, so we went out the next morning. He drove me pitch black dark and dropped me off on a road and said, walk down this road till the road turns to the right and then stay right there until daylight and see if you can hear any birds and then move from there if you need to. So I did, and I'm walking out. It's the first time I'd ever been to the south. And, I mean, I'm hearing stuff I'd never heard before in California or anywhere else I'd hunted. I mean, just different sounds and stuff that's going on. And, uh, and the barred owls started hooting in the mornings, and, and I was just, I mean, just focused in on them because it was so awesome to listen to the birds. Because one started and another one started, and they started going back at each other. Uh, and then all of a sudden, one of the birds, one of the owls, flew into the same tree as the other one, and they started just laughing and doing all kinds of stuff, and a turkey gobbled. And I about died right there. It was uh, eastern Alabama eastern turkeys gobble a little bit different than California Rios. I'll just say that. I thought he was going to eat me. It was bad. It was bad. So I was hooked. I ended up hunting that turkey three different times. I didn't hunt him three days in a row. But that stupid turkey stayed in the roost till after 9 o'clock. I got him close. The second time I hunted with him, I got him close. I thought for any minute he was going to show up because I could hear him spitting and drumming 
And I just knew how he was close. I knew he was there somewhere. Well, I didn't look up because he wasn't very far in a tree. It wasn't until the third time that I hunted him when I actually saw him in the tree on the limb. And what really messed things up was the, the limbs were horizontal and he could walk the limbs. And so it sounded like he was moving back and forth. That's why I thought I, he was coming in the second time I hunted him. Um, anyway, he was strut. I saw him with binoculars. I was about 150 yards away, and I spotted him on the, the limb, strutting back and forth, walking this stupid limb. And then about 9:15, 9:30, he jumped and flew about 500 yards across the road, across different continents, I think. Uh, a couple weeks later, the buddy that I was down there hunting with, he actually uh, killed the turkey where the turkey ended up flying to, uh, and had like inch and a half spurs. So. Uh, Frank Hanley, do you use red dot and what is your favorite turkey gun? I don't use a red dot, uh, Frank. I use a scope. Uh, a few years ago, my eyes, getting old, my eyes, I couldn't focus on the closest dots. Uh, I, I use fiber optic dots, fiber optic uh, sights, and so I couldn't focus on the closest sight, so I went to a scope. So I shoot a scope now. All right, Sean Hunkins, what's your favorite reed combo cut on a mouth call? That's a reverse combo, three reed reverse combo. Um, I also like a bat wing, uh, but right now the, the reverse combo is my favorite cut. Ricky Burtz, how many years have you been turkey hunted? I started turkey hunting in 1983, uh, chased turkeys uh, until 1985 when I actually started killing turkeys then, and I've been killing turkeys since 85. So this will be my, what is it, 30, 34th year, 83? Yeah, 34th spring. Yes, Wayne Smith, this is live. Mickey Gray, do you ever use a coyote howler as a locator? Yes, I do, Mickey. Um, especially in uh, the mountain states like um, Colorado, Wyoming, uh, Arizona. Uh, Merriam turkeys gobble crazy to an owl hooter. I mean, to a coyote holler. Um, so yeah, I, I just use a mouth call, flip the mouth call upside down, and you can coyote howl with it. Let me see if I can do that. This is the normal way. Ben Forbes from Tennessee and primarily hunt southern states in Iowa, heading to central Kansas mid-April. Any tips for hunting Rios? Yeah, Ben. Uh, Rios like to gobble. Um, I said earlier, uh, just because he's gobbling at you don't mean that he's going to come. Um, it's not until you can see see him and see that he's coming at you when you know he's coming. So uh, keep after him. A lot of times Rios like to walk and gobble. They do the walk and gobble, you know. Uh, they don't. They know where they're going. They want to go a specific way or to a, a certain area, and they're going to gobble as they walk the whole way. And the only way you're going to get those turkeys is get around in front of them, call them to you. 
Scott Ellis, what's the best thing you've learned from your turkeys? Um, probably the different sounds. Um, I'm watching my turkeys all the time. Um, my I've raised three little Osceola turkeys this last spring, um, and they've been out running around. I let them out. I raised them with some chickens, so they think they're chickens. And I don't know if they think they're chickens or the chickens think they're turkeys, one or the other. But they're they're out in the backyard when I let them out of the pen, and they'll walk around and just watching their their body postures and how they react to different things, different sounds, um, is. Uh, helps me a lot I think when, when I'm actually hunting out there how long you wait for a gobbler that shuts up um, just depends Wayne Smith uh, I'll uh, you know try to figure out what's going on put the pieces of the puzzle together as far as why the turkey shut up um, if he's coming to me a lot of times they'll shut up when they come in and then they'll just sneak in um, and then you know next thing you'll hear is a and he'll be standing behind you. Um, so I'll give a turkey 15, 20 minutes, and I'll call at him uh, and then try to get him to gobble or whatever. Um, but that's, that's usually how long I wait. I'm not a long sit for two or three or four hours uh, unless I know there's a turkey in a specific area in a specific time. Um, you can, you can uh, watch turkeys. Uh, I've spotted a turkey in this one field, on this one corner of this field, at 2 o'clock every single day. Uh, that I drove by at 2 o'clock during that time. So when I wanted to hunt that turkey, I actually got in there around noon because I didn't know what time he was getting there. I uh, got in there around noon and set up, and uh, sure enough, about 1.30, um, he gobbled behind me and was coming in. So um, pattern your turkeys. Scout. You want to kill turkeys? The more you scout, the more turkeys you're going to kill. Can we hear you, Jake Gobble, on time? And we hear you, Jake Gobble, on time. Uh, Jake Gobble, I, I did a Jake, oh wait, a Jake Gobble? A Jake Gobble, okay, here we go. Jason Dials, have you had much luck calling turkeys down big hills? Yes, turkeys will go up hills, turkeys will go down hills, turkeys will go around hills. Um, a turkey lives out in the woods, he goes up and down hills all the time. The problem is, if you're down in the bottom and he is coming down to you, he can stand up there and look down into the bottom of the hollow um, to see you. And a lot of times he'll stand there and watch and look and see where the hen's supposed to be down there. Um, plus, it's harder if you're sitting and the land comes down to you to actually shoot. You have to lift your gun up to actually shoot the turkey if he's coming down. So it's harder that way uh, to kill. But turkeys go up and down hills all the time. Usually want to be on top because it's easier to shoot downhill at a turkey coming up at you. So, Mark Jenkins, do you make your own mouth calls? If so, where do you find instruction to get started as intention on latex? Uh, Mark, I started just by 
Um, one at a time, I'd stretch one, call on it. If it was too tight, then I wouldn't put as much. I had a Folgers, uh, one-pound Folgers coffee can full of mouth calls by the time I started getting calls that I liked sounding and all that kind of stuff. So it's just trial and error. Lucas Sims, fly down cackle. Fly down cackle friction or fly down cackle? I'll give you a friction fly down cackle. Uh, fly down cackle on a friction call. Sims. Wayne Smith, if you had one call in the woods with you, what would it be? Wayne, I have never been into the woods with just one call. Uh, even my mouth calls, I, I carry them in bunches in a little, uh, used to be a skull, green skull can. A, a can. I um, boiled it and cleaned everything off of it, drilled some holes in the bottom of it. And uh, I'll have five, six, eight mouth calls in that. Um, so it would probably be a mouth call. So that, that's usually what I would have. And that's mainly because I can... And shoot. Brad Shreve, I really enjoy you hearing your gobbles, Joe. Thank you. Appreciate it. Richard Gunn, I think a Jake Gobble can intimidate a boss gobbler and make him come in when nothing else will. Your take on that. Um, Jake's, Jake's Gobble, Turk, Gobbler's Gobble, um, I think I think a Jake Gobble is, is a good bet. A lot of times we'll use a Jake Decoy, so a Jake Gobble is, uh, is a good, a lot of times a big gobbler will come and investigate a jake gobble he don't want the jakes around his hens so um it is a good tool to have uh harold kenner on osceolas are they as hard to hunt as they say uh, harold that not too many easy turkeys anymore if you get an easy one uh, you're lucky count your blessings um and turkey is a turkey no matter what but um, the problem is being able to get to the Osceolas without having to cross waters or swamps. And uh, second year I hunted uh, in Florida, I was hunting with Roland Martin, um, who had met at the Grand Nationals one year. And we crossed this waterway, and I had hip boots on, and I was holding these hip boots up just so water wouldn't go down inside my hip boots. That's how deep it was. And we crossed this waterway and set up on the other side, called this turkey in, I killed the turkey, and we went back. When we met up with Roland's buddy, Roland was telling him where we killed the turkey, and the guy looked at me and, and he said, you cross that area of water right there? And I said, yeah, I was with Roland, you know, that's where we were at. He said, there's a 12-foot alligator that lives in that area right there. I said, you didn't tell me that before I went walking across there. There were snakes crawling across the water when we were walking across. It was absolutely crazy, but we ended up killing a turkey, so... Sean Huckins, when did you learn and how did you start gobbling? Um, I was on a job site. I used to uh, work in construction. Um, on a, I was a heating and air guy, so I was 
doing a lot of sheet metal on roofs, um, and I just started learning how to do it voice, do it, you know, ticka, 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 or with my voice, I would go to gobble, to gobble, to gobble, to gobble. Stephen Richardson gobbling on a mouth call, and I thought, man, I, I think I can do that. So I put a different mouth call in and split V and started calling on it. And for very first time, I actually gobbled with uh, with a mouth call on stage at Grand Nationals 2012, and it was going good. Everything was going good, and uh, about four gobbles left in the routine, and my reed flipped, and it sounded like a predator call. It just it sounded like a dying rabbit. And it was funny because Sally McGraw was actually one of the judges, and he wrote on my on my card, "It was a 48 until your read flipped 42." <laughs> so I laughed at that, but yeah, I don't I don't use a split V or anymore to gobble on because there's a lot of force and a lot of air pressure across those reeds on your gobble call, so I don't it has a tendency to flip over. Uh, when I set up on a bird on the roost, uh, I try to set where he doesn't fly into the sun. Do you agree? Well, you don't want to be sitting in the sun. You want to be in the shade. Um, uh, just depends on the lay of the land. Where I, if I've roosted the turkey, I know where the turkey's going to fly down. I'm going to be sitting where, when he flies down, I can kill the turkey. Um, so it just depends on the lay of the land. Josh Abernathy, what's the best way to store mouth calls? Uh, I didn't hear. The, I didn't get to read the rest of that. Um, best way to do it is to wash them off and put them in the refrigerator uh, after you get done using. Them. Do I do that? Not a lot, because I make my own. I can go out and just make 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 a handful or whatever. But to to store mouth calls and to keep them fresh, that's the best way to 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 keep them from ruining. Um, always put them in your mouth before you start calling a lot on it. And a lot of a lot of times, what I'll do is I'll purr on it real loud and get those uh, reeds to vibrate, and then you can kind of start to spread them apart. Because as soon as you start pulling on latex. Reeds, especially ones that are cut, they're going to tear, and now you're in trouble. So, uh, Perry Skiff Skiffington, Joe, speaking of Jake's Goblin, what's a distinct way, or how can you tell the difference from a Jake than a Gong beer? Jake's usually have more of a half gobble. Their gobbles usually aren't as long, um, and they're not complete. Usually a big gobbler will complete his gobble, where a Jake won't. Um, and a lot of times Jake's will calc. And gobble, but I've been fooled. And if you've hunted turkeys long enough, you be fooled because I've had gobblers just deep throated gobbles and hear see the bird come up strutting over the, the hill and here's his Jake tail fan. You know, I'm like, I, I, I. Um, and then I've heard some weak gobbles come from a full fan, you know, 10 inch beard gobbler. So you can't always go by the sound. Um, they, they can fool you sometimes. Gerald Sawyers, what is the best way to get a turkey to cross a creek? Um, get him fired up. If a turkey wants to cross a creek, he'll cross a creek. Um, I've, in the last two or three years, I've actually called birds across creeks, across rivers. This last one was Shane Simpson. Two years ago, uh, or three years ago, I called one across a river hunting with my buddy uh, uh, in up by a Smithsville area. I'm throwing a blank on his name. He's going to kill me now. Anyway, uh, we got the bird fired up. Fired up. I mean, I, every time I called, he gobbled. I fired him. I, I went back at him and got him, got him to gobble. 
he had to fly probably 150 yards to get across the river. And uh, sure enough, we hear the wing beats, and and uh, bird flew over to our side, and I called him in, I killed him. So, uh, Carlos, have you hunted turkey ghouls, turkeys in Mexico? Yes, I have. Uh, I don't know what year it was. 2005? Might have been. No, it might have been. No, it was earlier than that. 95? Between 95 and 2005, I killed a ghouls turkey in Mexico. That was another story. Um, if you want to hear it, I'll tell you. But uh, Wayne Smith, good job. Thanks, Wayne. JJ Payne, do you prefer ridgetop woods turkeys or field turkeys? I prefer ridgetop wood turkeys. I prefer hardwood ridge tops uh, or even hardwood bottoms. Um, if I'm going to turkey hunt, that's that would be my perfect scenario. Uh, one of the best turkey hunts I've ever been on was in Mississippi in a hardwood bottom. Uh, a couple little creeks running through it, um, but it was just a phenomenal. The scenery, the uh, you know the leaves and uh, trees had leafed out, so there was good cover, and turkeys were gobbling like crazy, and just a phenomenal hunt. Jason, Fier <laughs> Jason Fisher, let's hear the ghoul story. There was five of us that went ghouls hunting um, uh, together, and it was one of the first years they, they this company, this outfitter, started ghouls turkey hunting. And so their guys didn't know anything about turkey hunting. They had no clue. and um, But they knew the lay of the land, and so they were just taking with them. Most of them couldn't speak English either, and they would just take us with them. Uh, take, you know, we'd just go with them. So we get up on this ridge early in the morning, uh, before daylight, the turkey was gobbling. So I started calling to this turkey. Turkey flies down. He's coming to me. Uh, and all of a sudden, boom, gun goes off, you know. Uh, between probably about 100 yards away, the turkey started off at about 200 yards, and at about 100 yards, the gun went off. Well, the other guy, taking one of the guys that was in our group, snuck in between the turkey that I was calling that was coming to me, and one of my guys that was in our group killed the turkey. Turkey had over an inch spur, by the way, on a ghoul's turkey, which was phenomenal. So, the rest of that day, uh, we didn't kill any other turkeys. The next afternoon, I was hunting in that same area, and this turkey started gobbling on this ridge across from where we were. Straight across was only probably four or 500 yards, but to get to it, you'd have to go half a mile and a half a mile or more up to where it was. But the two ridges actually met, and so... After the turkey gobbled like 10 or 15 times and there was no turkeys gobbling where I was at, I thought, I'm going after that turkey. So I got on this ridge, the same ridge I was on. I went up to the other ridge and then started down the other ridge. Well, what the turkey was doing is the turkey was gobbling on once on this, on this ridge that he was on, and then he would walk about 200 yards and gobble again. And then he would walk back and he would gobble again. And he would walk back to the other side and gobble again. So when I started getting close... I was in some wide open country, and I would wait for the turkey to gobble close to me. I would hide behind a tree, wait for him to gobble. I would actually count to ten, which gave him time to actually start walking to the other end. And I would go as fast as I could to get up to where he was at. I would sit down. I'd hear him gobble. I would get as close as I can. I would stop, and then he would come back, and then he would gobble close to me again. And then I would count to ten again. I'm waiting for him to go to the other, to the other end of the 200 yards where he was calling from. And I would take off. After I count to ten, I would take off. Finally, about the fourth or fifth time I did that, uh, one more move, he gobbled close to me, 
and he started heading back the other way. Now, I didn't know if he was heading back the other way. I just hoped he would. And uh, I just got up and got up as close as I can. By the time I actually sat down, I heard him gobble at the other end. And I sat down, sat up, and I heard him I heard him coming. I heard him spitting and drumming. And I yelped one time. He gobbled at me. And I heard him spitting and drumming. And sure enough, he spit and drumming to come right up to me. So if you're ever in a situation where the turkey is gobbling on one end and going two or 300 yards and gobbling again and coming back and gobbling back and forth, you can move on that turkey and get up. What you need to do, though, is be where he ends up every time he gobbles when he turns around. He's looking for hens. He's gobbling over that end of the ridge, and then he's coming back to this end and gobbling for hens. And he's going back to the other side and gobbling for hens. And so just move your way until you can get up into the, his zone where he's going to gobble, and he'll eventually come back to that side, and that's when you can kill him. You're never going to call him away from that area. So... Jason Fisher, do they gobble a lot? Are they workable? Uh, Ghoul's turkeys do gobble a lot. They have a similar Merriam-type gobble to them. They're, um, they don't gobble like an Eastern or an Osceola or anything like that, but they do like to gobble. Um, and most of the ghoul's turkeys aren't hunted a lot, so they're usually callable. Um, so that's usually going to be a fun hunt. And those white... Those people who think the Merriams have a white tail fan have never seen a ghoul's turkey because Merriams have a white tail fan and the ghoul's turkey's fan looks like it's bleached. Um, there's no color in that in the white on the tail coverts or the actual band on the, on the tips of the tail feathers. So they're beautiful, absolutely beautiful. <clears throat> Wayne Smith, what's your favorite species to hunt? Wayne, whatever species I'm hunting at the time, that's my favorite species to hunt. I love hunting them all, the different types of terrain, um, from mountains turkeys to swamp turkeys to uh, Texas turkeys out in the desert land. Um, they're all just a little bit different, and that's that's the whole fun part for me is to hunt turkeys in different parts of the country, different parts of the uh, of land, different terrains and all that kind of stuff. Uh, to be able to go into a, a place that I've never hunted before, Figure the turkeys out and, and kill a turkey is, is what uh, what I love to do. Do I have... Are you talking about a ghouls, Jason Fisher? Um, my ghouls turkey I had mounted. I've got, I think, seven full mounted turkeys. Um, four of them I mounted myself. I had three other ones I mounted. Callie Morris mounted my Osceola. He mounted an Eastern for me. And he mounted a Merriam turkey for me and then I, I mounted them myself the other ones um, but I had an eastern Alabama eastern turkey and a ghoul's turkey strutting side by side facing each other and we got a Labrador puppy uh, and it was about three months old and got in there with him one day when we weren't around and chewed chewed it to pieces both heads were gone the breast feather out of the eastern was chewed up. The ghoul's turkeys, all the back feathers were gone. Only thing I have left of my ghoul's turkey is the tail fan. That's it. The rest of it is history. So, Richard Gunn, biggest eastern I've killed. Uh, biggest spurred was inch and three quarters in Missouri. Um, biggest, uh, heaviest was in Missouri, 28.2. 
uh, and 11 inch beard, 11 and a quarter inch beard, I think. Carlos, you know how to call an oscillated turkey? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, they don't gobble, but I know it's some some weird sound like that. Um, but I've seen some videos of them strutting around making that noise. One of these days, I'm going to kill me an oscillated turkey to finish off my world slam. I have a three grand slams and a royal slam, but I haven't killed the world. Josh Abernathy, what is the best way to hunt late season, high pressure public land birds? Um, a lot of times, Josh, uh, late season public land birds are um, are turkeys you can kill. Um, not that it's that they're pressured, but it's because it's late season and they're you know a lot of times the hens are gone, and a lot of times they'll start acting like a real turkey and gobble and strut and come in. Um, but usually those birds don't travel a long ways to get to you, so you need to get in tight. Um, um, you know if they're if they're going to come to you, they'll either come in silent or they won't they won't travel a long distance to get to you, so you got to get in close. Carrie Lynch, have you ever hunted North Idaho? Not North Idaho, I've hunted Central Idaho, um, but my brother actually lives in St. Mary's, Idaho, uh, up in Northeast. It's about 30 to 45 minutes south of, uh, gosh, the Panhandle, what's the main, can't think of the main town up in North Idaho, but anyway, he lives up there around the Merriam's turkeys and the elk and the deer and the whitetail and mule deer and all that good stuff. So, But I am going to go to North Idaho because I haven't killed a turkey in Washington. I want to do a uh, Washington and North Idaho turkey hunt. Perry Skipton, how many double or multiple bearded turkeys have you killed? Have you ever killed a bearded hen if they are legal out there? Yes, they are legal. I have killed a bearded hen. Um, and I've I don't know how many multiple bearded turkeys I've killed. I think the most multiple beard I killed a bird that had three beards. I had one. I killed one in an area. A friend of mine had uh, some land he was hunting, and their genetics in that area were from multiple tur multiple bearded turkeys. Uh, he killed several multiple bearded turkeys and seen some big turkeys with having a lot of beards, thick beards, and you could tell there was multiple beards. And I killed a turkey uh, with three beards, had a nine, a six, and a four. And then there were little nipple-like things. There was five other ones. And if it would have lived for probably another two or three years, he would have probably had eight beards on it. It was crazy. So, But I don't know, Perry, how many I've killed. Um, maybe close to a dozen or more. Do gobblers stop gobbling at calls because of pressure, or is it that they have hens? Uh, can be both. Uh, turkey's a turkey. You know, sometimes they'll gobble, sometimes they won't. It just depends on what they, you know, what they want to do. Um, I will tell you a, a little story. I, I had roosted a turkey. I was hunting up in California here, and I had roosted a turkey the night before, and uh, he had 12 hens, and he was by only gobbler with 12 hens, and I went and set up on him, and and uh, the next morning, and it, this board, this property bordered um, a lake, and so. Early in the morning, before daylight, this boat started coming in on the lake. I could hear the engine. The turkey never gobbled. Um, 
But I heard him spitting and drumming already in the, in the morning, you know, before daylight. Well, the boat come up, pulls up, gets on a box call, yop, 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 yop. And I'm close. I'm within probably 70 yards of the turkey in the tree, and I can hear him. He was answering the guy in the boat, but the guy in the boat was about 300 yards away, and there's no way the guy in the boat could hear him spitting and drumming. He never did gobble, but he answered that guy's box call every single time he called. But the guy in the boat didn't have any idea that there was even a turkey there. He jumped back in the boat and took off, which was good for me because I didn't want anybody to come in on me anyway. So, um, Mike Batty, do you learn anything from fil filming rather than a gun in your hand? Yes, Mike. I man, anytime you're out and you can spend time with turkeys in the field, uh, either preseason or during the season, um, I've you know I've filmed a lot of hunts where I, I don't carry a gun. A lot of times when my son and I hunt, uh, he's usually got the gun in front of me, and I've got I've got the camera. And uh, anytime you can spend time in the woods with turkeys, you're going to learn learn stuff. You know, nobody's a professional. Everybody's always learning with turkeys. So. Tom Portell, have you hunted Kansas, and does a higher pitch call work better than just a regular? Um, no, I haven't. I've hunted Kansas for mule deer one year, uh, and I had a turkey tag for the fall. But I've, I've never killed a turkey in Kansas, so I'm going this year. Uh, but Rio's seem to work better with a higher pitch call, um, a glass call, if you're going to use a pot call, or a high pitch box call, or uh, high pitch mouth calls. But, you know, turkeys don't know really that much difference as far as rasp or high pitch or whatever as far as whether they'll gobble to it or not. Uh, I have a theory, and don't know if it's true or not, about why specific times that a certain call will actually work when other calls won't. And I think it's because there's a hen that the turkey is used to in the area, in his flock, that sounds like the box call or that sounds like a glass call or that sounds like a tube call and he responds to that because he thinks of that that's the hen that he's used to um, where you won't get a response from a, 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 any some of the other calls but you'll get a response from a tube call or a trumpet or whatever um, that's just my theory don't know if it's true or not but that's that's what I believe uh, Carlos, in the month of May we will hunt oscillated turkey here in Mexico. There will be hunters from the United States. Yeah, good luck, Carlos. Anytime you can spend time out in the turkey woods is a good, good time as far as I'm concerned. Carrie Lynch, make sure you look me up. When you want to hunt North Idaho and Washington, I will carry, for sure. I don't know anything about the Washington turkeys up that way, but uh, I, I got to come up and kill a Washington turkey. Any other any other questions? Anybody want to hear anything? Nobody asked me if I key key during the spring.
Tom Portal. Thank you, Joe. I'm going to the first time in Kansas this year. Just wondering about the win for higher pitch. Uh, I know they're here too good. Yeah, Tom. Get a box call. They'll cut, try to cut through that wind. Um, a lot of times they'll hear you and you won't be able to hear them. So, good luck. Mike Batty, how often do you get a response from a trumpet on Rios? Mike, almost every single time I use a trumpet. Almost every single time I use a trumpet on a Rio, they'll gobble to it. Um, I had one bird. I, I just knew there was turkeys in the, in the area. I was hunting more on the coast uh, in California. And, uh, man, I, I was calling on my mouth call, yelping at him. And I just knew there was a turkey there, but he did not gobble. He would not gobble. Um, so I pulled my trumpet out, and uh, my first yelp on the trumpet, the turkey gobbled to it. He only gobbled once, but he didn't gobble to it. I knew he was there then, so that uh, I figured out some strategies after knowing where he was at. So, yes, they will gobble to a trumpet. Carrie Lynch, I live in Post Falls, about an hour away from St. Mary's, Idaho. Good deal, Carrie. Do I ever use a long box? Um, I have a couple long boxes. I usually don't use a long box when I'm hunting, only because um, they're big uh, and it takes up a lot of room. Um, I do have a box call that I carry with me. I, I usually carry a short box. That's not the same one every year, but um, and I have a leather holster that I slide my box calls into. Um, one of the things that I do pre-season is I always put my vest on and I'll walk with my vest um, because from year to year, a lot of things get turned around and switched around or whatever in your vest and you'll make noise. And so I figure out what's making noise and how to move things around because when I'm walking through the woods, I want to uh, be as quiet as I can. Um, even though Shane Simpson don't think I can walk through the woods and be quiet because I, like I don't like to fall, but I fall. Um, and that was because I had the wrong boots on. But anyway, uh, a good tip is to walk before the woods, uh, before the season starts, with your vest on so you can hear if anything's rattling around or moving around. Alan Rouse, uh, what calls do you carry in your vest? Oh, I have a box call, I have a slate and a glass call with two different strikers. Um, I have a trumpet. I have a tube call. I have an owl hooter, a pea-leader woodpecker, and a crow call, a Mike Batty crow call. Um, and then all my mouth calls, I usually keep in the front of pocket. Those, are, That's what's in my vest. I also have a wing, um, and then, you know, all the rest of the stuff. Never go to the woods without a thermocell, and believe me, I learned that the first year that I went to Florida in like 94, I think it was, or 93, 93, 94. I mean, the black cloud of mosquitoes in Florida was absolutely crazy, and the sound was deafening. It was just ridiculous, so I got a thermocell, and it works, and I won't take it. I won't leave it home. It goes with me everywhere I go. Matt Saffold, that's not enough calls to carry. You need more. I know I need more. I keep telling my wife that I need more. I keep buying now. I keep buying different calls too. Plus the calls I make. 
just bought an Irving Went box call. In fact, if you could see the top of that gun case right there, it's sitting right up there on top of it, all walnut. All right. If not, then I'm going to sign off and go have some dinner. If you guys uh, have any other questions you want me to try to ask or uh, answer or whatever, just uh, hit me up on Facebook, uh, message me or whatever, and go from there. Oh, Derek Stallman, you've been all over the country, Mr. Joe. Where's your favorite place to hunt? Uh, favorite place? Everywhere I'm at in the spring is my favorite place when I'm there. Uh, there are a couple places I probably won't go back to, um, but there are some. I love the South. I go back to Alabama, Mississippi, yes, uh, South Carolina. Um, funny, I get asked all the time about hardest places to kill turkeys, and you know the normal was Alabama, South Carolina, Mississippi. Uh, first time I was in Alabama, I killed two turkeys first two days. First time in South Carolina, I killed two turkeys the first day. Mississippi, I've killed turkeys every single time, except for the last time I went. I think I've hunted Mississippi seven times. Um, but I called a turkey in for a wounded warrior hunt for a, a guy. So um, it just depends on where you are, where the turkeys are, how much pressure the turkeys have had uh, as far as, you know. And when a turkey wants to work, he, he'll, he'll work no matter what. Okay, what is it like being an NWTF calling champion? Oh, it was a dream come true, Carrie Lynch. Uh, when I won the 2015 Goblin contest, uh, it was something, you know, I, I wanted to be the best gobbler in the world. And to do that, you have to win the Grand Nationals uh, in Nashville. And, uh, and I did that, so it was, it was awesome. Dream come true. Mike Batty, how has comp competition calling helped you as a hunter? Uh, it helps me practice. It helps me try to be as close to a real turkey as I can get, uh, because in competition, you want to sound more like a turkey than than the next guy when you guys you're competing against. Um, so it's helped me practice, and that practice has helped me in the field um, using different calls. Um, but I, I think the the pressure of being on stage in a competition. Um, it, you get nervous, you get all that excited and everything, but still, when you're in the woods and the turkey gobbles at 75 yards and you can hear them spitting and drumming and it's vibrating your eyeballs, and uh, I mean, there's there's nothing like that. Uh, I still get cotton mouth. I can barely purr <laughs> on a mouth call when a, when a gobbler's coming in close or whatever. So uh, I think what how competition calling has helped me, it's made me a better caller. Um, makes me practice so all right so I'm gonna sign off here uh, I want to thank everybody for coming I thank everybody for all the questions asked and uh, like I said if you want to hit me up with some questions go ahead and hit me up thank you <laughs>